Hi, and welcome to the Social Angle Podcast. I'm Vinny, and today Melissa and I are joined by Ryan Moore, the promo industry's reigning supplier entrepreneur of the year, to discuss the benefits of being the face of your brand on social media. Moore, who launched both Ryanet and All Made Apparel, is no stranger to being in the spotlight. He spent four years of his life recording and touring in a punk rock band, and he also puts himself out there on social media promoting his businesses. In this episode, Moore talks about why he decided to become the spokesperson for his brands, how he deals with negativity, advice for professionals who are camera shy, and much more. We also asked Ryan which musician he'd love to have a socially distanced jam session with. All this coming up right now. Ryan Moore, welcome to the Social Angle Podcast. So excited you're here, Ryan. What's up, Melissa? Vincent, thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. So how is it out there in Washington? It is warm. It is beautiful weather. The Pacific Northwest does not have any fires yet, which is... Fingers you know, crossed, so, right? so we're lucky. We're having a good summer. Uh, everyone's social distancing, but you can get outside at least. And uh, yeah, not too hot. A little hot, but not too bad. So yeah, it sounds like same out here in Pennsylvania. We've got, you know, mid 80s this week. It's been really nice. So we'll take it. We've had a hot summer. Um, but you know what? I'll take it. I love I love the heat. I love, you know, this time of year. So yeah, it's getting dark. I wake up really early in the morning, go running and it's getting darker in the morning. So it's harder to wake up. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of sad. It reminds me that winter's around the corner. Right. Well, we have a great topic today. It's benefits of being the face of your brand. So uh, Ryan, to start, why don't uh, you know, you just introduce yourself, tell us about your businesses and how long you've been using social media. So we've been, we have start we started our business in 2004. I came from the music industry, I was in a punk rock band, played, you know, guitar, bass, guitar, uh, recorded three or four albums, went on tour, not nothing huge, you know, kind of medium sized with small record deals. Definitely not like Blink-182 like we wanted to be, but we made our own t-shirts. So that's how we got into the t-shirt space. And being in the punk rock scene, a lot of punk rockers want to know how to make their own t-shirts. So this is like in the first social media platforms, which were forums and uh, AIM. And, uh, you know, the, luckily for AIM, I learned how to type really fast. And uh. then... And then what was the first one? Oh no, I've been MySpace. MySpace. Yes. <laughs> MySpace. Yes. Drawing a blank. So this is prior YouTube, prior Facebook, prior Instagram, prior all that stuff. And so we started the business then. Uh, really just e-commerce marketing, teaching other people, other bands, start out with other bands now, then other businesses how to print their own t-shirts. And so my first entrance into kind of this topic and social media itself was one of our customers, we made videos on how to screen print because screen printing is not a very easy process and pretty hard to learn. So I made it, I was like, first of all, I had my, my guy do it, but he wasn't very good, you know? And, and so I was like, I can, I can do this better. So I got behind a camera literally for three days straight, didn't change my clothes the entire time. Um, and like recorded this saga of how to screen print. It was three DVD, it came in a three DVD set and you had to spend like all day to watch it. And one of our customers put that on YouTube right when YouTube came out. So I started seeing all this traffic come from this YouTube. What, what's YouTube, you know, uh, coming over to our website. And then it was like, wow, we can make videos on how to do this and kind of show some of the fun side of the process and our company and our customers. And so we started our own YouTube channel and I hired a video team 
pretty much out of the gate as soon as YouTube, you know, kicked off in 2005, 2006 and been making video content as our, our main form of content, which is then distributed over all the different platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all that good stuff. Wow. You know, I think I still have my own MySpace page somewhere <laughs> as long as, you know, I think a lot of people still have them and, and they're out there, but that's, that's pretty fascinating because I think YouTube has really turned into the go-to place for how-to videos. And you yep. kind of, it sounds like you were on the, um, on, on the cutting edge of that. Yeah. I learned, I learned everything on YouTube. I learned how to fix my lawnmower, how to <laughs> fix my wall. I'm, you know, I don't know how to fix anything. So I go to YouTube and figure it out how to do video editing on YouTube. So it's a great place to learn. How do you do podcasts? That's what, that's where we learned, you know, yeah. everything is on YouTube. Um, so there are many benefits of being the face of your brand. There's also some drawbacks. So can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to put yourself out there as a spokesperson of your brands? Yeah, I really didn't have a choice because I was the guy that was comfortable doing it. And I thought the more we do it, I saw the more the benefit of that. And that was traction to our website, more people signing up for our products and services. And so I got really com a lot more comfortable doing it over the, it took about two years to really kind of get into your skin of, you know, doing video work. And now it's just kind of a no brainer. You just kind of go for it, you know? So it's just like anything. It's like practicing music and whatever it might be. You, you have to get good at it and it takes a lot of hours and investment into do that, doing that, which I think we'll talk about a little bit later. But I think for me, it was just a, there was a need of our customer base and I was, you know, wanting to help solve that problem. If I can make one video that solved the problem for a thousand people versus having a phone call or a conversation with one person, that was a lot better use of my time, I thought. So that's really why I decided to invest in it. And throughout the course of history or our, our history, we have had a lot of other people start to contribute and help with that process as well. So for your social media presence, when I was going through your profiles, I feel like obviously just from some of what you've shared, you're very vocal, you're very visible. And it sounds like it's been an organic process, but has some part of it been deliberate in crafting kind of your public persona and who you are on social media? Yeah, I think, I think it starts with like, how, how do you want your brand to, to interact? Some people are their brand. They're like, they're literally the face of their brand. Some people are the founder of their brand and mm -hmm. kind of the, the sponsor of their brand. So I, I really started out like it was the brand. And so, but we're trying to transition and transitioning more and more into more of the founder or the start of that brand. And that mm -hmm. brand's growing up and, and changing and more people are involved in it now. So the bigger that you get, the the more important that becomes because right at the beginning, like everyone would call up and ask for Ryan, like, Hey, can I talk to Ryan? Like, Oh, can I talk to Ryan? It's like, well, yeah, but you know, we have 20 other people that answer the phone and you know, he's like, well, you told me this. And I really, I only told them that on a video. So it was like, you have to be carefully setting up to make sure that you you're not curtailed into only being you and you're able to expand a lot of other personalities that have done screen printing videos on how to screen print. Uh, they have not, they've tried to get into consumable supplies and they've tried to, you know, expand their business and one thing or another kind of falls off. Either their business doesn't, isn't able to grow or they stop doing videos because right. they don't have time to do both. And so without the ability to be both the presence in the face and or expand that and have a team network behind it, you're kind of curtailed into a much smaller space. 
Yeah. And that makes sense, right? You have to be able to delegate in your business. But I love the fact that you're, you know, not afraid to get on camera and kind of be who you are. I feel like you're very authentic. And I feel like that is, you know, the core of success on social media is showing up as yourself. So it's also, you know, can be a double-edged sword where you can be very visible, but you have to often deal with other people's opinions. So how do you stay confident, um, you know, being so present online when kind of everybody has an opinion? You, you got to first have a thick skin and can't take anything personal because you just, you'll really get beaten down, you know, and it'll, it'll really get to you. So I think that's the, the biggest thing is like, and you can't, you don't want to get in those arguments, you know, because right. those, those can just curtail into, you know, some really bad places and realize that you are presenting your your beliefs, but your beliefs are also a part of your brand. So you got to be a little bit careful into not, you know, positioning your brand or your company into a, a hole and alienating a, a part of the, you know, the market because you said the wrong thing, you know? So I think it's important. Um, and I have a little bit more freedom now to, to maybe say my own personal beliefs on my own personal channel versus, and, and then the company will say, that they're a little bit more maybe politically correct belief or, or whatever it might be. So I think kind of this establishing a strategy between, you know, as, as you start to somewhat separate, but then also influence for your brand uh, to be able to maybe say some of your own things a little bit more clearly than you might say through your brand's channel. Um, but I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it is important for a brand to have uh, like to make the values and what the brand believes somewhat, you know, relevant to people and you got to be authentic, you know, right. and if something does happen, you make mistakes. We've made some pretty bad mistakes on social media. We've had a couple things go viral in the wrong direction where something will get hundreds and thousands of comments, negative comments, like really bad comments and just getting on there and addressing it right away is the best way to salt, like turn that thing around. And so I'm, I'm not scared. I put my cell phone on social media. I put my email on social media because I know that it's, if something goes wrong and, and people see that I'm going to, I'm willing to do that and go that extra step. Most people will say, oh, and, and I've never literally got like maybe one or two calls off of that, but it really quenches the fire down. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point, Ryan. Um, uh, I don't know if you know, but I'm sort of the face of ASI's Twitter. So, um, you know, I've, you know, been that way since 2009. Um, and the reason was we wanted to put, you know, uh, a face to the, to the company. This is someone who does social media. This is somebody who can, you know, really go out there, um, you know, help you if you need it. Um, but I also put my personal life out there as well. And, you know, some of the things I've thought about over the years is like, do I want to be political? Do I want to be Michelle Bell? Michelle, Michelle Bell has her own, you know, Twitter account. She's very political, you know, and I choose to stay out of that. You know, I don't want to bring the brand down that road. Um, you know, politics and religion, you know, like they say those two, I stay away from those. So, um, you know, I kind I know where you're coming from, you know, there, you know, I put myself out there, you know, not as much as you obviously, but you know, I'm out there too. And I'm, I'm hyper aware of making mistakes especially, you know, with me attached to the brand. So, it, you know, it's something that people need to consider if they're going to be the face of the brand. How do they want to approach it? You know, what do they want to put out there? You know, even putting pictures of your kids and your family, you know, like th that's always sort of been, you know, 
in my mind when I do that on, on Twitter, but I'm like, you know what? Most of the people I interact with are people in this industry and they know me, they've watched my kids grow up. So I'm comfortable with that. You know, I've had issues with trolls. I've had people kind of call me out, but they've never called me out for my personal beliefs, which is you know, thankful. I'm thankful for that. Yeah. I think people are fairly forgiving and I think it's important to make that decision as a, cause we have, we have three different social media channels that we manage outside of, you know, there's Ryanet, there's all made apparel and there's another brand that we have in the equipment automation side called rock us. And so like Mel runs our all made apparel page and she is a founder of all made apparel, but not the, the CEO. And so she kind of puts her own flavor. She'll post pictures of her daughters, you know, and stuff like that. And, but she is a little bit differently than she's going to post a little bit differently. Like you were saying than I would on my personal channel. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And we, Facebook, especially we, we've had some, uh, some posts go viral for the wrong reasons too. And, um, you know, we could talk offline, but you know, we've had some epic ones where we're just like, Oh my God. Um, this was before your time, Melissa, but, um, some, some learning experience that you certainly take from, from those incidents. Um, but I wanted to read to you a quote here that I really love. Um, it's from a guy named Louis Rinsard. He's the account director of uh, SBC London. He says, whether a startup or an established company, um, people don't just buy your products and services. They buy you and your core values. I love that quote because essentially you're selling yourself. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your core values for not only your business, but personally and how you've integrated them into your social media? So definitely a business is a reflection of its, its founders and its leadership. And I think core values are very, very important for both a person, but also their business, but they kind of take different stages. So my personal core value, you know, really is based around growth and learning and improvement, which definitely lend itself into the all made and the Ryanet core values. Um, the Ryanet core values and all made values are similar, but they're different. You know, all made is about openness and it's about transparency and it's about, you know, um, inclusion as well as making a, a great product for a cause. Ryan, it's a little bit about more about quality and integrity and, and continuous improvement and education and, and service. And so similar, but somewhat different. And so you'd see those brands values kind of approach itself with like big issues. Like you had the, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, in the past few months that you have three different brands, how to, how, and then me personally, what do you, what does each one say, you know, and everyone took a very, very different approach to that. And we were being called out on our social media channels because the screen print side of the industry is very, not super inclusive and not very diverse. And so it was a pretty hot topic in our space. And so one channel decided to go out and what all made is we donated 10,000 masks to Black Lives Matters movements to be able to raise money and uh, awareness for equality. Cause that was one of our values and the Ryanet side of the business didn't publicly do anything like that or even make any public statements because it didn't really align with any of its value, you know, values, even though we did behind the scenes support screen printers that were doing those types of causes. So you can, and then I did my own thing and my own personal approach to it as well, which involved music and things like that. So it was, uh, three different approaches to the same topic based around those core values. Yeah. That that's a difficult decision. Like I remember when that all was happening and then it seemed like all the brands were sort of under the radar, like, or not under the radar. They're, they're under the gun. They had to make a statement. 
you know, there was that time when everything was, was happening and, you know, you have to think about your, your customer base and that, and that must not have been an easy decision for you guys. And I don't think any, each one handled it differently and each one, the, the ones that said something didn't get any negative, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was more positive than negative for saying something. Um, and I think that that was good. The one that didn't say anything uh, also didn't get any negative. So it was okay. like it. And, and so it was, I don't think I give a lot of autonomy to the, the directors of marketing in those different, you know, companies to be able to say, Hey, how do we want to approach this from a brand perspective? And even though I might do it differently, I have the freedom to do it differently on my own perspective. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think that's important uh, to have those, especially as you get a bigger company, you don't want to, as the face of the company override, you know, the majority of what the people underneath might have, have a feeling for, because that sometimes doesn't turn out the best way. Right. It sounds like it's a, you know, a play for balance. That being said, me looking over um, your social, I feel like you are so confident and just a natural on camera. You know, obviously you have a background as a musician, but for somebody who maybe wants to emulate you on their own social and get more comfortable being present on camera through social media, do you have any advice or tips for them? Great question. I get that a lot. And I would say, first of all, if you watch some of my first videos, it was nothing like that. <laughs> they were horrible. And then secondly, if you watch pretty much any, a good percentage of how-to videos on YouTube, exact same thing. You know, it's like, I'm Farmer Joe, and today I'm going to show you how to fix this tractor thing. Hold on. How do you do that? You know, it's like, and so, but they're doing it. These videos get hundreds of thousands of views because they're providing relevant content to a specific need. So practice makes perfect first and foremost, but, but if you never get on the field, you're never going to get good. So you got to put yourself out there and, and don't be afraid to be a little rough around the edges as in the beginning. And I think people will appreciate that. Um, if I'm sorry, I just wanted to kind of like, we get that all the time, Ryan, like we, we try to preach to everybody in this industry, like you have to get in front of a camera. You know, you're, you know, your product and service the best. Like people get nervous. They do it the first time. They don't do well. They abandon it. You're a perfect case. Like, and so am I, like the first time I did live video, like I was like, I was so nervous and I was like, oh, was yeah. terrible. I was like, Oh my God, I'm never going to do this again. You know, but my boss is like, keep at it, keep at it, keep going. And then, you know, months later, I was like, this isn't so bad. And then once you get past that awkward stage, it's like, it's, it's easy, you know? And, you know, I think a lot of people don't get past that first. It's like, oh, I, I'm not good. I'm no good at this. You know, why bother trying more? Yeah. The thing is though, is get an editing software, whether it's on your phone or premiere right. or, or whatever and edit it. And so the one word of advice is as you're starting, don't make them too long because if you just get on there and drabble on in your a you're not you're practicing but if it's if it's not great you know because you're not great to start and it's long you got two uh, X's but if, if you keep it a little bit shorter if you edit it down um, then it's a lot you know it's a lot better to you know th- those first runs are a lot more digestible yeah that's for sure and also I think people are forgiving sometimes you know it endears you to your audience 
Um, the other question I wanted to ask you as well, you know, this is obviously, you know, an understatement, but a very unique year it's been in the promo industry, right? Um, how has 2020 affected, you know, your social media presence and how you've shown up online? Well, it was, it was a great experience of just the power of social media and also the power of connection. And then the, how, how like all these skills that, you know, we were doing for other purposes really behooved us during this time. Like I love going to trade shows. They're, they're so fun, but the, you know, doing these types of virtual connections and speeches and, and, and things were like, we were already kind of geared up and ready to do that because we'd already been doing it so much. Um, but for me personally, like I lost my video crew cause the video crew didn't want to come to the office, you know? So it was like, I started doing a lot more personal, uh, vlogging and videoing for my iPhone and kind of using more like source stuff versus doing it like the, the professional way. So I did learn a lot, you know, in the mask, did a lot with the all mask projects and, you know, talking about becoming the face, like we didn't have a model to do this. So like I was the model, like for the first, you know, three months is like, Hey Ryan, we need to take another picture. I was like, okay, I'm getting a little tired of seeing my picture everywhere, you know? So, but no one else was there to do it and no one else wanted to, you know, come in and, and, and film it. So, or, or take pictures. So I think there are times where you need to do that kind of stuff and people appreciate that, but it definitely showed that having some flexibility in the ability for you to do your own stuff, not reliant on a team is important. Yeah, dude, you nailed it. Like this whole pandemic has forced everybody, the, the average person, to you know the expert to learn on the fly like if you told me in january i would be sitting here doing these remote podcasts through a software called zoom i would have been like what are you nuts like what do you why would we do that um and here we are we've had to learn so much technology because of the pandemic it's forced us to be become you know more valuable i think we've got you know uh, we've got skills now that we didn't have six months ago and you know we're doing things on social media now that we would have never done. And it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And the great part about this is that that kind of content, this kind of podcast, a YouTube video, a blog post that lasts forever. And you know, the fact that we got to invest in that so much more over the past five, six months is huge because all that content is going to be there forever and be paying, paying us back versus the time we would have spent doing one speech, you know, or meeting 10 people in a trade show booth, those, that, those are great connections and probably arguably more powerful connections, but they're more one-to-one -one connections versus one-to-many that then last forever. Sure. So I love the investment in that. I think it's just been a very, we've been fortunate opportunity. Those who have taken advantage of it and you still have time to take advantage of it, by the way, because this is not going anyway, anytime soon. So uh, those who've taken to take advantage of it, uh, get the rewards. Awesome. So a couple more questions. Um, so I have to throw this one out there. So which social network do you see the most value in being the face of your brand? And which one do you not see any value in? It is, I, so tw Twitter's the one that, and no, no, if, like we just have never connected with our audience on Twitter. <laughs> and I think, <laughs> uh, because I think it is more talkative and we are more visual. So in, in the screen print side or the decoration side, it's a very visual thing. And so 
it is, uh, we just never really connected with Twitter cause it's, there's not a lot of faces on, you know, Twitter and it, it does incorporate music, uh, video and everything like that way better now. And it's a super powerful platform. Um, my favorite platform overall, I don't know. I like all three of them. I like LinkedIn. I, I think LinkedIn is great for, uh, like I've posted some videos that like get the most views on LinkedIn, like that, you know, thousands of views. You know, I, if I find that it's more personal based, Facebook does the best. If it is more, uh, industry based, like professional, you know, business oriented, LinkedIn does the best. And if it's more educational, um, and longer form content, obviously YouTube does the best. And then LinkedIn kind of pulls it all together because it has very visual, it has IGTV, it has stories. So LinkedIn's kind of like a, this hybrid platform that you can grab all, all the different mediums, but I'll do one piece of content and it will get posted differently off of in all those four channels and post and put on a blog, which is great because you can spend time doing one thing. And then now you got five different places where it's seen by different audiences. Well, that that's the beauty of what we're doing here. Like, you know, we're recording video. We're, we're going to export audio. We create content. We're going to create multiple, you know, uh, content streams here from this, this one video, this one audio uh, podcast. And that's the beauty of it. You know, we don't just take one, video and put it everywhere you know we'll, we'll do an audio podcast you know on our podcast page you know we'll do if, if there's a great quote from here in which we've had many we'll do a, a quote a video quote we'll post it on twitter you know there's so much we can do with just one piece of content it's amazing yeah i i think that what you nailed on the podcast thing is huge because i've all, i've wanted to start a podcast forever it was always on the to-do list and since covid we've actually started two. you know and so it's been a great excuse to do that, but we'll use that podcast and we'll edit a snippet out of it and it'll turn into a story Well, and then great blog content and then, you know, great video. I'll actually take the podcast and I'll overlay video on top of it. Like we just did one on how to recycle a water bottle with reprieve. Cool. And I took the section of, we asked him, Hey, how does this process work? And he kind of walked through the process. It took about three minutes and I found all the clips of him, what he's talking about. And I inserted him and it actually turned out to be like a, it almost looked like a professionally made video with voiceover. And we, it was just a part of a podcast. Huh? That's awesome. Um, I had one more question, but I think you already answered it. So we have one final question. Go ahead, Melissa. So the most important question, Ryan. So if you could have a jam session with a musician, either alive or dead, who would it be and why? It would be socially distanced, of course. <laughs> there are some really cool jam uh, software out there that allow you to like <laughs> sync up. And so I would do like my, I would probably say Tom DeLong, who was with Blink-182 and now uh, Angels and Airwaves. Because yeah. I just love uh, love his – I love the guitar riffs. They're pretty simple to play. And uh, I love to play piano alongside of it or guitar alongside of it. So that would be a, a pretty awesome jam sesh. He's That's the UFO awesome. guy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's like <laughs> – he's now now literally, you know, partnered with, uh, partnered with NASA, uh, yeah. I think. So it's pretty crazy to so go from a punk rocker to being a partner with NASA. <laughs> Melissa? Well, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it. No, Melissa, you got to answer. You got to answer oh, the question. I got to answer? Yeah, oh, and I'm going to answer. Wrap up. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. Me? So, definitely 100% Keith Richards. I love him. I just feel like he would be such a fun 
like dinner date. I like his current wife, Patty Hansen. There's so much lore there. And I feel like he has access to all the other cool musicians. I feel like if you're in with him, you can get in with all the other ones like Jimmy Page, Eric Clapton, you know, Florence Welch. So yeah, that's That's a great answer. And I would go (laughs) with Pete Townsend, one of my all time favorite musicians from the who. Nice. Just love the guy. Love the guy. I've read his books and love all his albums. I wouldn't know what to say to the guy, but I would love to sit there and just watch him jam. I play a little bit of guitar, not like you, Ryan, but you know, I would sit there and I'd have a blast. That's great. Well, Ryan, thank you for your time today. We know you're busy. You know, uh, this has been great. Um, you know, we'll certainly reach out to you again at some point and uh, see how you're doing. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for the conversation and for, for, uh, for talking about it. If you have any other questions or follow-up questions, let me know. Thank you so much, Ryan. We appreciate you. Let's have a good one. Stay safe. Mask up. You too. All right. Thanks, Ryan.